How do you do? Mr. Carl Lindley feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. Greetings from the Pumpkin Patch, and welcome fellow Halloweeniacs to the Jack-O-Lantern Press Podcast on the Weird Network, where we discuss monsters and Halloween. My name is Michael Piccarella. And my name's Tom Piccarella. It's Monster Monday when Tom and I briefly profile a monster of the week. I'll give a short history. Tom will share strengths and weaknesses. Then we'll finish by mentioning a few cool items and some media that feature the creature. This Monday's monster... Frankenstein's monster... It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Oh, in the name of God! Now I know what it feels like to be God! What you heard at the head of the show and just right there are film pieces from Universal's classic 1931 movie, Frankenstein. Clips we dug up and assembled here in our lab to set the tone for this Monday's monster. Yes, Frankenstein monster is a pure classic, that image of the monster as played by Morris Karloff, Boris Karloff, made up by Jack Pierce and photographed by director James Whale and cinematographers Arthur Edison and Paul Ivano, has been burned into, I'd say, everyone's brains pretty much when you think about Frankenstein. Even those of us who haven't seen the movie, it's certainly the first monster image that I see in my mind when I even hear the word monster. Um, and I Frankenstein meets the Wolfman from 1943 was the first monster movie I ever saw, and probably Frankenstein, the original, was probably, I'd say, in second or third monster movie I ever saw. And uh, so, yeah, to me, it's, it's tough to say the word monster and not think about Frankenstein's monster. So what about you, Tom? What does Frankenstein mean to you? And are you happy that it is now October? Well, first off, I can't believe that we took this long to do Frankenstein. And I feel like that we've had a past episode where we kind of went into a little bit of, of Frankenstein. I know we must have, because when I was doing my research, Uh, There was stuff that I remember looking up, and for the life of me, I have no idea what episode we talked about. It was early on. It may have been our Mad Scientist episode. It it might have been that. I don't know, but I do know that one thing that I kind of want to get off the table here uh, as we start going into, into some of the history is, are we talking about you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? Are we talking about Boris Karloff, the, you know, more of well, the, the movie I, type one? I kind of bring, I'm going to bring that up when we talk about history. I really didn't like, I know people are going to hate me, but I did not like Mary Shelley's book. 
And I don't like the movies that are based or more closely based on her book. I just don't. So <laughs> I, well, I never, I never more read on the movie. The book. I know that there was a movie out, and I I saw it when it first came out. I think the what, Robert that came De Niro out in the 90s one or something. Oh yeah, it was. I just I just don't like that version of it. But the thing is, is yeah. that. When I was doing a little bit of my own research, you know, looking back at the way Mary Shelley, you know, sort of put it together, it is interesting on how it came about and how close it is to like some of the stuff that happened in her life, like her actual life, not the novel. Yeah. yeah. And then how she pieced it together. I I was was reading through when we I was doing research. There's some cool stuff that I I'm going to bring up, but yeah, nevertheless, I mean Frankenstein is a classic. He's he's right up there with with Dracula and the Wolfman and anytime I think, you know, personally about Halloween and the excitement of Halloween and even just looking at the monsters, I always go back to the classics. I mean, you got your your Dracula, your Wolfman, Frankenstein is is if you don't mommy. have a Frankenstein, what's is the, mommy the point? In there? Oh, would I throw the mummy? Yeah. yeah, the mummy, Invisible Man, the creature from the Black Lagoon, those, all of those. I mean, I I was just kind of throwing, throwing it out there as uh just more. It of usually a, is those three though. Uh, you know, I would say yeah. those three: Dracula, Frankenstein, Werewolf. Those basically are the, the ones, the trifecta. Well, the ones, the the universal monsters, as a lot of people will put them, just because you know when. They introduced them a little bit better than all of the past stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. And going back and looking at anything Frankenstein, there's a lot of stuff prior to when the movie was made that people were were still trying to recreate things. So it's it is interesting of just how big it was. Where I think I come in more so of my excitement to Frankenstein is definitely, you know. That when the movie was was brought in in on November twenty first, nineteen thirty one. Anyways, that that's my excitement for for it. But I I'm interested to see what you bring up with um, the history side of things. All right, well, let's do it. Uh, we're we're here in this full graveyard full of corpses. Uh, we've got our shovels. And an empty wagon, so uh, what do you say, Tom? You uh, ready to get to work? Yeah, let's go. All right, well, without further ado, let's put these shovels to use and let's dig in. All right, so... In deciding which history and origin story to share about Frankenstein's monster, I first went in my research here to Jeff Rovin's 1989 The Encyclopedia of Monsters book. And in that book, Rovin writes that the monster's first appearance was in Mary Shelley's 1818 story Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. So the monster's biography that Rovin writes is based on Shelley's tale. So with that, I decided to just close that book and put it away. <laughs> because <laughs> as I said, uh, I just I just didn't care much for the Mary Shelley book. And 
I remember having it as a kid and I never could read. I would start reading it and I'd just put it away. I'd start reading it and just put it away. And I just, I think mom got it for me. And I just did, I just couldn't get into it ever. And then Robert, my son, read it in high school. And I remember he was struggling to read that thing. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll kind of help you, you know, because he, he said the language was tough and he didn't know what was going on. It was not interesting. So I started reading it with him and I, I found the same thing. I just did not enjoy it. I, I hated the way it was written. And certainly it's an old book, so language is different. But I just, even the things that were being talked about, I just didn't like it. And then we rented the movie the the Kenneth Branagh Robert De Niro version and we didn't even like that Robert and I we both watched it we didn't even like that is, is was that the one uh that came out in the 90s or yeah was it the yeah. 90s I, maybe it wasn't I no I yeah I'm pretty sure quick. it was that I didn't even put it in my list of movies because I just did not like it, it I just don't like that version of it it just doesn't seem I don't know. I'm not into like those old, those, you know, Victorian, you know, I just, I just don't like those. Yeah. It was November 4th, 1994 is when it came out. Yeah. So I just didn't like it. So anyway, my history is going to be based on the 1931 film, because to me, that's the monster I grew up with and came to love. So here's where I feel, so it's not totally just based on that movie, but I'm going to start with that movie. So it's an origin story, but it's also kind of like an evolution of Frankenstein's monster. And it, so this, this evolution comes from a website called universalmonstersuniverse.com. In particular, an article on that site from December 24th, 2020 called in defense of old Igor and the argument for being a universal monster. And it's by an award-winning filmmaker named Ansel Farah, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. And while this article doesn't sound like a Frankenstein origin or evolution story, and it really is this Farah making a case for Igor to be a universal monster, it's actually a really cool take on the Frankenstein monster as seen through the universal movies that have Frankenstein in it. So let's just start with the 1931 film. So Frankenstein. Sometime in the 18th century, Henry Frankenstein and his assistant Fritz, who's a hunchback, piece together a human body from parts they find in a cemetery somewhere in the Bavarian Alps. They use parts from the bodies of recently hanged criminals and a corrupted brain of a criminal that Fritz steals from a medical school that's in the area. In a watchtower laboratory, Henry pieces together a man and he gives this creation life through various electrical devices with the help from a lightning storm outside. He basically hoists the body up through a skylight in the roof. Lightning strikes the body, sending electricity through the body's veins and voila, it's alive. And that's when chaos ensues. Most people might recall the monster burning to its destruction in the famous windmill scene at the end of the film. 
Of course, the monster isn't really destroyed because he returns in The uh, Bride of Frankenstein in the 1935 film, Son of Frankenstein in 1939, The Ghost of Frankenstein in 1942, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman in 1943, House of Frankenstein in 1944, House of Dracula in 1945, and finally, at least for this specific series from Universal, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein in 1948. So, in The Bride of Frankenstein, we learn that the monster survived the fire in the original film because he'd fallen through a hole in the mill, and he's found in a flooded pit underneath until, you know, in it, so he could be rescued. Now, cutting to the chase, he's destroyed at the end of Bride of Frankenstein in a laboratory explosion that hurls the castle into millions of pieces, and then here's where we get into Ansel Farah and his Universal Monsters Universe.com article. He begins with the next film in the series, Son of Frankenstein, with Henry Frankenstein's son setting out to redeem his father's reputation. Now, as a reminder, Farah is making a case for Igor as a classic Universal monster, but I want to read what he writes because it tells an interesting story of the Frankenstein monster. So here we go, I'm going to read this. When one considers Igor's role in the film Son of Frankenstein, he is the driving manipulative force of the entire film. It is he who manipulates Wolf von Frankenstein into reviving the monster. It is he pulling all the strings of control, both at the castle, in the village with the Burgermeisters, and with the monster himself. He is the true villain of the piece. Because a good cast is worth repeating, Bela Lugosi's Igor carries over into Ghost of Frankenstein, where he's equally manipulative and famously ends up becoming the monster at the climax, his brain transplanted into the monster's hulking form. What a jaw-dropping moment that was for me as a kid when Lon Chaney Jr.'s monster stood up and Bela Lugosi's voice shouted out from his lips, I, Igor, will live forever. Igor technically continues to be the monster in the game-changing Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, hence Bella's casting as the monster. Had Bella's lines not been cut from the release print, it would further reinforce Igor's continued presence, even if he never referred to himself as formerly being Igor. His dialogue would have reminded of his blindness, which occurred at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein, and explained the monster's now iconic lumbering walk. And Igor is technically trapped within the body of the monster into the monster rally films House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula, dormant on a slab till their fiery conclusions. So, interesting to note that what Farah is saying is that essentially Igor has become Frankenstein monster during the span of these films. So I don't know if you ever thought about that, Tom? Oh yeah, 100% thought about it because I remember when I was watching the movie and Bela Lugosi was playing Igor, yeah, they transferred his brain into that. So from then on you know kind of essentially he, he Igor was Frankenstein yeah, yeah and that, that's what neat. was so what was so cool yeah and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman it's played by Bela Lugosi now it's a different actor in in Ghost of Frankenstein House of Frankenstein but nevertheless yeah, I, can't, I can't remember was that was it Glenn Strange or no Glenn, Glenn Strange, Strange was in Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein yeah that's right 
But who, yeah, who did play? Why am I forgetting who played him in? Well, all the House. people that I remember in the classic movies, I mean, what you have, Boris Karloff, obviously, Glenn Strange, Lon Chaney Jr., Bela Lugosi, who am I missing? Uh, I think I think those were the main people that played played that. And I remember one thing, you know, Dad was talking about in uh, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman that they had to substitute. They had Lon Chaney substitu- Jr. was in a few shots. Yeah, as, as Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, dude, why is house? Let me look at house of Dracula. I don't know why I'm forgetting who the heck played him. Well, so I am curious though, while you're looking that up for our audience, not to take them away from what you're looking up, but oh, it was Glenn strange, by the way. Oh, it was Glenn strange. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm curious. Well, are, are you finished with your history? Um, I, well, I had I had one, I had a few, couple other things, and then oh, and go then ahead then. I'll, I'll okay, wait, so there's a couple of things that I wanted to add to the history thing if you don't bring it up. Okay, so real quick, just to end that Frankenstein monster journey, at least in the Universal stories, um, the monster shows up in Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein from 1948. Um, like all the other monsters in that film, it doesn't really follow any particular storyline, but it eventually is destroyed in flames on a dock just outside an island castle that Dracula was using to um, take over the world, I guess. But yeah, I think it was a cool a cool story. And by the way, that, that Igor link, I'll put the, the Igor article, I'll put a link in the show notes because it is a cool article and there's a lot more about this case of Igor being a classic universal monster and I think he should and in that article there's actually this cool action figure it's a Bela Lugosi as Igor action figure and it's from the son of Frankenstein it's really it's really cool it's a nice detailed action figure but that's kind of the history I had I did have there there's a cleaner less pieced together frankenstein like story of the monster and i'll i'll link that in the show notes as well but it's basically frankenstein's creation from fandom and and so yeah that has a lot of good information you know more detail so if you wanted to just check out that story um, you could check that out in the links but uh, yeah that is everything that I have and uh, Tom I think you're in your lab right now we got a storm building and uh, so I don't know I guess you want to throw the switch or maybe wait you had a couple things to say then yeah, throw the I switch wanna, I don't want to throw what... the switch just yet <laughs> right. but what I do want to what I do want to bring up just in in regards to the history um, it was kind of cool to know because a lot of the times, you and I don't talk about, you know, who who or what we're going to to kind of do the powers and abilities, especially with Frankenstein being so huge of a of a monster. There's so many different versions. And even when I went into actually doing my research, you know, there's there's kind of like the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Then there's there's here's something you may not have even thought about, but HP Lovecraft's reanimator. I mean yeah, that, yeah. That was that was. It, it's not a Frankenstein, but I mean that was written uh, between October 1921 and uh, uh, June of 1922 is when he was writing that all together. It, you know, it was published, I believe, in July when I think that first came out. But that movie in 1985 
that was put out. I watched that uh, just a few weeks ago, and it was really cool. For the first time, or had you seen it before? It was the first time. Oh, because wow, Because I've been nice. really starting to get into a lot of the H.P. Lovecraft stuff. And did I'm, you, li- I'm did reading... you like it? Yeah. I, yeah, it's I a cool I actually thought movie. it was well put together. Yeah. But there was, there was one thing that I thought was really interesting in in reading the story, the H.P. Lovecraft story, watching the movie, and then when I was messing around and kind of going through some other things, I came across uh, an episode, I think I it was on Shudder, but it's Eli Roth's History of Horror Show, episode one, it's about zombies. This show was, was put out, the episode one, on October 14th, 2018, and... One of the things that they brought up in the zombie sort of episode is that is Frankenstein the OG of zombies? Do you well, consider him a zombie? And that's true. That is interesting because he not, he's a, a dead being brought back to life, right? And that's so technically the definition of a zombie. Sure. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I consider him a zombie, but it was interesting because he's undead. So I just thought I need it was to cool see that, that show. But did they did they decide w- whether he is the OG of zombies or not? Yeah, they pretty much said that he was the OG of zombies, and that huh. you know everything derived off of Frankenstein. I mean, uh, I always you know, think of zombies. As, you know, there has to be some kind of virus or bite or, you know, something, radiation even. And Frankenstein's monster is really recreated through electricity. But it still fits the definition of dead body brought back to life. You know, reanimated. Yeah, I mean, if you, <laughs> if you go into any of the, the zombie type movies... You know, they are like there's like a more of a plague or something where people die and then they come back to life, you know, as a zombie. That's a different we have an, an episode that I'm sure people could listen to on zombies, but it, it was an interesting thing that was brought up in the discussion in that Eli Roth's um history of horror show. It, like I said, once again, that's the history of horror show Eli Roth's and it's episode one. Uh, I just thought it was cool um, when I was when I was watching that. But uh, I think I'm ready to throw the switch, and we'll get into the powers and abilities. So here we go. All right. Yeah, it sounds like the thunder's gathering. So yeah, let's do it. Now you kids gather around, cause in this house there is something special going down. <laughs> Okay, so powers and abilities, and once again, in looking at this, I think there was a lot of uh, combined sort of powers and abilities that went into play, uh, even looking some of this stuff up, and of course, you know, I always go to like a fandom site to check some stuff out, because really, honestly, the fandom sites are, I believe, to kind of encompass everything. They pull from all the different monsters, like there was a lot that were pulling from like DC's world and 
and even from the classics. But what I have here is is interesting. So some of the powers and abilities, it's you know, talks about Frankenstein is undead. He's composed of assorted body parts that are taken from dozens of different sources. He has superhuman strength. He does not need to eat or sleep, so he's basically functioning all the time if he really wants to. They I say wonder that where see, I wonder where they got that information. Because I don't remember that from the book or the movie. I wonder if that's pulled from like a DC. It, it, I think it's thing. pulled from a DC or possibly even something else. But they, I don't think they ever really went into detail. Yeah, I never about, even thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could you can almost say that that he requires electricity, but he doesn't require electricity to continue to function. He just wants more electricity because it builds his strength. So the more electricity that you give him, the stronger he becomes. Right. He's functionally immortal. So if you think about it, he he pretty much keeps coming back to life, even in all the movies in the 1931. I mean, they burned <laughs> him. Weird. Yeah, you know. there'll be explosions, but somehow he just is, always stays pieced together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'll get into weaknesses here in a second, but, uh, you know, because... Of his undead nature, Frankenstein can replace damaged or missing limbs with grafts taken from individuals of similar right. build and adapt those to his unique physiology. And the, the thing is, is like you blow his, his left arm off. I mean, he could just go get another just one get and another sew one. it back on. So just run down to Grave Mart and get another one. <laughs> Grave Mart? <laughs> But the other thing is, is due to the fact that most of the monsters are are sort of animated by electrical impulses, they're naturally resistant to electrical attacks, and some also may possess other electricity's related abilities as well. So, I don't know if if uh, you know you you if lightning were to hit him, he's just going to get stronger. If you were to hit him with some kind of uh, electrical weapon I don't think it's gonna affect him obviously I think that if you were to launch a, a missile at him or something and blow him to total smithereens um, I guess if the person had the knowledge of rebuilding a Frankenstein he can always come back maybe not the original character but a Frankenstein character itself so the other stuff that that they were talking about is is you know the different types of applications you know he he he's like obviously isn't going to get any diseases because uh, he doesn't really have like a system a blood system to like you know f you do anything with it he has an enhanced durability enhanced endurance enhanced strength as i already said pain suppression so even if you cut his arm off he's he's not going to care i mean when he walked right into the fire He's not really, he doesn't really have any sense of, of pain, so he will just keep going. You can sort of consider, and I thought this was kind of cool, is that he has kind of like electrical healing to some extent, even though he doesn't have pain, but his body can almost heal if he gets an electrical surge from something. It's like it boosts him up even more kind of like resurrection so even if he were to lose all of his electricity as soon as more electricity comes in 
you know, he's going to resurrect himself. He obviously has an unnatural body size, so he's always going to be bigger than everybody else, which is intimidating to some extent. You know, it, things like that. I, I just think there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of good things that that Frankenstein has. Is he the most powerful, you know, monster? Uh, no. I mean, if he goes up against the Wolfman, the Wolfman can just tear him to shreds. But once again, he could just come back in another form, you know, at a later time. Yeah, he would have to be rebuilt, though. Yeah, so basically... Yeah, and that's what I always thought, too. Like, the Wolfman would just tear him to shreds. Right. I mean, if you want to talk about his weaknesses, you know, or limitations, you know, he's going to be slower than other beings due to the massive size and weight. Uh, he does require electrical energy in order to, to live, stay awake, if you want to call it live or stay awake. I, I don't know if the electricity over time goes away, but my guess is is that if the electrical charge inside his body ever were to deplete and go away, he would just fall over and be a nothing. So he may need continued electrical sources in order to stay awake. He is... I think fire is a big thing, so even though despite the fact that he walks in, fire would just destroy him. And it was kind of funny on some of the limitations in this article, the fandom one, he may be subject to rot or necrosis due to the components most commonly coming from dead tissue. So I don't know if that's, oh, that's like a deterioration of yeah, like the yeah. skin. But yeah, I thought... I thought that, that could was... explain some of the stiffness. And also, I think that he's also not very smart. I think he's limiting in in intelligence. So I think that's also that would also add to a weakness. But is it is it a weakness in the sense of that he actually doesn't have the intelligence, or is it just because he doesn't really give a crap? I mean, if you think yeah, about maybe, it, maybe yeah. As far as I like mean, a monster, yeah, maybe it doesn't. That isn't a weakness, but he certainly may not have the cunning that other monsters may have. Right, like if you compare him to the Wolfman, the Wolfman has a keen sense of hunting his prey, so he kind of has that sort of edge. But in the end, why, why does Frankenstein even care? I mean, if he's walking through something and a Wolfman comes to get him, he he doesn't have a care that the wolfman's gonna attack him because he doesn't feel anything so yeah, or yeah he'll walk right th yeah like in in abbott and costello meet frankenstein he walks right into the if i remember correctly i think he just walks right into the flame so it's like yeah, yeah eventually it's gonna take him down and so if he was smarter he would have figured out another way <laughs> yeah it's like the terminator he just kept going just keeps going so there's, there was a couple of other things. I'm kind of done with the powers and abilities, but I there was there was some a neat thing that I just loved, and and I've listened to this thing a million times, and I know you're you're probably gonna as soon as I say this you're gonna get pumped, but there was a a an album that we had called oh, the yeah. Famous Monsters Speak, and they have it on YouTube. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, but if you just click on that, it's the voice of Frankenstein. 
and it is well done. Both of them are, are good. The, they had one where it was Dracula, one that was Frankenstein. The one we're going to link in the show notes is the Frankenstein one. I actually like the Frankenstein one better. Yeah, so um, do I. So do I. But uh, I there was something about that. I just When I just drove to Dad's, I listened to both of them again. And, uh, dude, the Frankenstein one, if somebody wants to just, you know drive for about i think they're like 20 minutes long um but if somebody wants to just cruise and listen to to that my, i highly recommend it. it's on apple music if you have it I'm, I'm sure you could find it probably just about anywhere but it, it is well put together so i highly recommend that you listen to that um there was a couple of other things that i thought were were fun uh there's some fun facts about mary shelley's frankenstein that I discovered, and some of this stuff I've already, you know, kind of, kind of known. But when Mary Shelley actually first wrote this story, she was 18 years old, which kind of blows my mind. Um, and she, and and in this article, it's on mentalfloss.com. We'll link that in the show notes as well. But it it goes into like all these different explanations as to you know her writing it at 18 years old. It was published when she was 20. The novel came out of a ghost story competition that she was in. And I I actually thought that was cool that it was derived off of... Well, the, the next one down is Mary Shelley got the idea from a dream. And then it was in this ghost story competition that she was like kind of writing it. But if you read stuff about her life... She lost a bunch of kids. I think she had three or four kids, and her first kid uh, she ended up losing, and all of her other kids died really young. And so she always put in other things that she wanted to somehow like be able to bring them back. And uh, I just thought that was interesting with her. She had the life. kids before eighteen years old. Yeah, it, it was. She was super young. Dang. At the age of 16, uh, she ran away with a poet, Percy, I don't know how to pronounce his middle name, Shelley. Over the next two years, she gave birth to two children. In 1816, the couple traveled to Switzerland to visit Lord Byron at Villa Diodati. I don't know what that sounds. While their 18-year-old started Frankenstein... It was published in 1818 when she was 20 years old. So at the age of 16, she was already already on the way of with two kids. And I guess one of them uh, died. And then even later on down the road, some of them, uh, some more of her kids were, would die earlier. And I guess she always, you know, said that, um, that she, oh, I'll just tell you right here. It's the fourth one. Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. In a shadow of tragedy. Um, before she started Frankenstein, Mary gave birth to a daughter who died just days later. In fact, only one of Mary's four kids or four children lived to adulthood. Soon after the baby wow. died, she wrote in her journal, Dream that my little baby came to life again, that it had only been cold, or that we rubbed, what is it, rubbed it by the fire. And it lived. 
So I, I don't know. I mean, she's obviously was having issues at the time. I mean, I mean, I, I think I would too if you lost your kid. But, but she wanted the baby to come back to life. So maybe that had some sort of inspiration on the story when she wrote it. Obviously, mm -hmm. everybody knows that Frankenstein, you know, was not the name of the monster. It was actually Victor Frankenstein, which was the scientist behind it you know, making Frankenstein. And I think that's why a lot of people actually, you know, call for Frankenstein the monster to get it away from Victor Frankenstein. I know I've brought this up in the past, but the no novel shares a name with a castle, I believe in Germany. Frankenstein in German actually means Stone of the Franks, which I thought was interesting too, and there's more about that in the article. I guess the original Frankenstein was slammed by critics, which you're probably right up there with the critics because you didn't like it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I know for I brought different this reasons. up too, but Thomas Edison adapted a Frankenstein film, and it's in this article. And I know that I've referenced this on a yeah, I've just I'm saying there there even the castle. I feel like we've brought this stuff up before so i don't I, we have to find what episode that was i have no idea it's yeah. so weird i'm not 100 yeah. percent sure but i i know that i brought up the thomas edison one and i brought up the um the castle uh linkage but there was also a couple of other things in uh i was watching because i like star trek quite a bit and star trek episode or i'm sorry star trek enterprise with Jonathan Archer, season two, episode twenty, called Horizon, Tucker, the engineer, you know they were gonna have movie night, and I don't know if you could drop that clip here. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll find the, yeah I'll find the clip and put it in the show notes. It's definitely cool to the fact that he's like, hey, you know we're gonna, you know we're gonna have. Uh, you know, movie night, and then he goes into this, like, list of Frankenstein movies. I just thought it was kind of neat. You know, there's not going to be a lot to do once we get there. Sensors will record everything automatically. You should have plenty of time to practice your harmonica. I've taught Chef into doing something special. Starting Tuesday, it's going to be movie night every night. But you might be interested seeing how you enjoyed that Western. We're going to be showing the three greatest horror movies ever made. Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein. You might even throw an Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I have no interest in horror movies. How do you know if you've never seen one? You don't have to see all of them, just come the first night. I promise you'll like it. Reanimated life forms, science run amok. They're right up your alley. And then the other thing, of course, uh, that I like to do is is just bring up, you know, fun things. Uh, and since I love VR so much, as probably most of our users or listeners already know, uh, but there is a game for VR called Frankenstein Beyond the Time. Uh, it was released August 1st, 2018. It, it really, the funny part is it doesn't really have good reviews. However, I thought it was neat. You basically go into the world of like a Victor Frankenstein into this like lab and you're, the goal is for you to find all these parts, solve these puzzles, throw them into this big machine 
and then at the very end once you have found all of the parts it builds like this Frankenstein monster and then it comes towards you and that's really the end and I think a lot of what people didn't like about it is that it was short it was a short experience but it was well put together the graphics were good if anybody is is listening that's interested in virtual reality watch this you'll get excited about it I think it's worth it it's not like it's insanely expensive I think it's 11 bucks so wow, 11 uh, bucks I mean come on that's not that bad and for what you get out of it I I personally think that what what you get from it is uh, is neat and it's memorable memorable enough for me out of all the different VR games that I've played it's memorable enough for me that I always go back to it every now and then and and play it I just think the person who put this together did a really good job uh, one other thing that might be fun to know there was another article it was uh, on a, a website called study.com it was a lesson that they had of why Frankenstein is a classic I did think that there were some things in there that was cool but it's a little short video and it talks about Mary Shelley's novel and why it actually is a classic. I just thought it was kind of cool just to get a little bit more of a backstory on there. But other than that, I mean, that's what I had. This monster definitely is is right up there on my top, probably top five, top three, really, as far as my, you know, most favorite monsters. And I have, I mean, I have models. I have all kinds of, of stuff with Frankenstein and and really, honestly, like you said at the beginning of the show, I mean, when I when I think Halloween, when I think horror, uh, Frankenstein comes up every time. And the movies are great. Maybe one day I'll read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein if I can, uh, you know, go through it. I do like that sort of style of, of writing. You know, my favorite author is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I'm really starting to like H.P. Lovecraft quite a bit, and their writings are very similar, so I would imagine that Mary Shelley's is probably right in that area. So it'll be interesting to see if I even like it. Yeah, yeah, definitely if you read it, let me know what you think. You down. It's funny floors beneath the crowd. It's like the sin is there. Oxygen is sitting there. Hold up a tombstone and sit down. So if you're going to get into Frankenstein properly, you're going to want to dig up and piece together a marathon of films of your own and, uh, and watch them all. So uh, there's quite a good deal of them. And there's a list on Wikipedia. It's like a huge list of Frankenstein films. I'm not going to list them all. I'll just list a few. I already brought up the Universal films, so I'm not going to name all those again. But then there's... 
Hammers, The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957 with Christopher Lee. And Ooh, that, is that, that is a good one. It, yeah. He, I never thought that. And I know I've brought this up about Christopher Lee with Dracula. You know, I never thought there'd be another Dracula, just Bela Lugosi. And then I saw Christopher Lee. And the same thing with Boris Karloff thinking there's that Frankenstein is so iconic, but then I saw what Christopher Lee did with it and thought, dang, that's really, he's, I I would probably still say I like Boris Karloff better, but it's not much better in my opinion, my humble opinion. Christopher Lee is definitely one of my favorite actors and he's just, especially for monsters. Uh, Then you have young, I agree. Yeah. He's, he's just, freaking cool um then you have young frankenstein the mel brooks movie from 1974 you have frankenweenie from 2012 and i actually prefer the original short from tim burton in 1984 and if speaking of tim burton you could probably throw in for frankenstein movies 1990s edward scissorhands um and then there's a uh, you can also throw in uh, the nightmare before christmas with uh uh, what's her name there Sally, true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sally, you're right. Because she tears apart her her body and stuff, so stitches it back together, which goes to show. Yeah, when she jumps out. Yeah, so that's that's a cool little uh, power and ability right there. She could jump out of freaking buildings, fall to pieces, and then just stitch herself back together because she's in no pain. <laughs> yep. There's a um, movie that came out in 2019 called Depraved. And this movie, while not called Frankenstein, it is definitely a Frankenstein story. And I really like this movie because it feels like those 1990s indie movies, like a really low budget, like when they took like a camera, went out onto the street, like a 16 millimeter camera, and you get this real gritty, realistic film. That's exactly what this movie feels like, except... It's a Frankenstein story. This guy pieces together body parts. And it's so realistic that it's almost more disturbing. It was an extremely disturbing movie because you got to, you kind of get to know this character who then is killed and his brain is used in the monster, and if you want to call it the monster. And he kind of has like these flashbacks of his previous life. And it's, it's is this on YouTube? Um, no, I think I saw it on like Tubi or something. I'll have to, I'll have to see if I could find it. I'd be interested to watch that. You know what? I'll, I'll see if I can get a link and I'll put it in the show notes and then I'll send it to you as well, Tom. But it's definitely worth finding and seeing it's really cool is it amazing will i watch it over and over probably not but it's definitely worth checking out like i said it's it's so like disturbing and heartbreaking because the monster keeps having these images of this other life as this other person and he kind of tries to go back to his girlfriend it's it's yeah i won't spoil anymore but it's definitely worth checking out. I figured it out. I figured out how to bring them back. 
And so it begins. While others are dealing with molecular science, DNA, petri dishes, we're in here dealing with blood and guts, extreme sports of biology. Can you talk? Fred. My God, yes. Stay here. You will not leave until we are ready. Be safe. So what happened to you? Those are a lot of scars. I don't understand how I got here. You must be so alone. I read books. Are you all right? Don't do any funny business. <laughs> dreams from someone else. I owe you something like a normal life. I didn't believe that you would ever understand what was happening to you. Oh! Where the hell were you? We were out on the town. All night? Maybe not cut out for fatherhood. Who can you even trust with this? Here we have man's essential impulse. Violence. <laughs> depraved. That's what we are. Utterly depraved. <laughs> it was you. It was you who made me what I am. So, yeah, that's the depraved. And like I said, it has like this really cool kind of realistic feel. Like it kind of made me think of the way I felt after I saw the movie District 9, where, I mean, District 9 was made to look like a documentary. This one is not, but it, there's something about the grittiness of it, maybe, that gave me that feeling. But, it, you know, it certainly is a really cool movie worth checking out uh, yeah district nine from 2009 and then real quick the depraved i looked it up and it looks like it is on hulu at the moment so if you have hulu i think it may be through hbo so you may need the hbo subscription to uh, to check it out but we'll leave a link in the show notes for it and then i'm going to bring up a movie that i know everyone hates every every one but I loved it. It's called The Munsters. Just came out from 2022 from Rob Zombie. Uh, and it <laughs> figures that I freaking love it because everyone... I haven't heard one good thing about this movie. But no, I love it. I, like To me, it was like Crack Monster Party Magazine. All that kind of humor put into a film. It, it looks gorgeous. It has like these... It looks like the panels of the the old EC horror comics with the bright greens or the the purples, and then even the sounds. It has like that the chilling, thrilling sounds like you listen to in the the Halloween sounds albums, like the the howls and the winds and the cool stuff. And then it has you know little just cool little touches. So like in the the Transylvania Castle, there's like bats flying around in the the place or they go to a restaurant and all these little rats come out of the the kitchen and lots of cool stuff there's tons of dad jokes 
Um, so I don't know, call me a weirdo and I try really hard to, to be one, but this movie was just awesome to me. Rob Zombie, the director of House of a Thousand Corpses, Halloween, and the Devil's Rejects brings you the greatest love story ever told. Oh, I, I don't like the sound of that. Think of it. The brain of a super genius transplanted into the body of a perfect physical specimen. <laughs> I want a man that makes my blood run cold. A man that every time he enters my crypt, it's like a stake through my dead black heart. I can whip the upper humpy down in the lamb. Oh, no. Remember what happened last time? He was battered. I'm gonna go. Okay. I'm looking for a vision. A queen. True love. And what exactly do you want? Is Herman Munster in there? Uh -huh. I knew the moment I laid eyes on you that you were special. I understand if you don't feel the same. I'm just a regular gal living a boring, normal life. If there's one thing I know, is that the rest of the world melted away as soon as you appeared in my life. It seems Miss Lily is truly in love. Oh, come on, you know and I know that we gotta get rid of that bozo Herman Munster. <laughs> I really I believe that you liked... Uh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> the atmosphere was well put together. I do like the the sort of the setting and, and how they piece stuff together and when they're they're in the there. But I, I couldn't even handle it to the point of the, the jokes and the acting was so dumb that I, I couldn't even get through the whole thing. Yeah, that's so what most people said. Most people just turned it off. Couldn't Couldn't watch it. There were a few people, Matt said he watched the whole thing. He didn't think it was horrible. And then that other, uh, a couple other people were like, eh, it's okay. But I think for pretty much everyone hated the thing. And people that I think said liked it were probably just being nice because I said I liked it. But probably um, <laughs> even the, the laboratory scene where they're creating the monster was so cool. I don't know. Yeah. They could have put I, it to good use on an actual, like, decent movie. If they would have just kept it more, I guess, serious. But the the fact that they, I don't know, it was so corny that it just and I obviously it's a monsters movie. But yeah, it was corny. Yeah. Definitely corny. I felt like it was really fresh. Not fresh like you know hip hop nineteen eighty eight fresh, but I mean fresh like new. It was very, it's very different. So I don't know. That's that. And then I didn't list a bunch of other TV things or anything, but I did want to bring up the Groovy Ghoulies from 1970, just because Frankie is is definitely a classic cartoon character in my opinion. So. <laughs> That uh, that's what I have for films. Again, I'll I'll include that big list, that a link to that big list of Frankenstein films. So if you want to find some other ones, uh, you know, 
you could check that out. Some, I did. Some I, quick... I did want to bring one thing up in regards to movies, even though maybe a lot of people would hate me for this, and that is, and 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 I bring this up only because I watch this movie every Halloween season, and that is Van Helsing, the the movie that I think it was made in the in the early two thousands, two thousand four, I think it was, but. The, the Frankenstein in there, although he doesn't really, he's not modeled after the classic, and the classic is the one I like the most, but I did think that they did a good job with how they had, like, on his head, you could see through it, and you could see the oh, brain yeah. in there, and yeah. it had, like, the electricity and stuff, like, all through him, and I just thought that that was... That was cool how they put that together. I'm not saying he was a good Frankenstein, I'm just saying the effects... For the Frankenstein, yeah. were really it's worth well watching. Put yeah, it's it. from 2004. Oh, and I almost forgot the Monster Squad. You know, there's a that's a good Frankenstein as oh, well. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a good yeah. one. They said it couldn't be done. Couldn't be done. Couldn't be done. Couldn't be done. But now at last, I've created the Frankenstein monster. This is Count Dracula speaking. The Frankenstein monster has escaped. Don't try to hide. I'm here, please. We're here in Washington at a special meeting. Ladies and gentlemen, the president. Hello, baby. Mr. President, what happens if the monster cannot be stopped? Problems, problems. All right, some quick cool stuff. There's a, there's a cool uh, Frankenstein statue that I'll link in the show notes. There's a great Boris Karloff-inspired Frankenstein mask from Trick or Treat Studios I'll link. There's another action figure that's on Amazon uh, that I'll link. And then one last link, and that is to a YouTube video of Power Records Frankenstein record, which is a fun one from when when we were kids power records did a bunch of monsters i remember one christmas i got a bunch of these records so there's a frankenstein one i will link and then uh if you're in transylvania and you're looking for frankenstein's monster you're going to want to go to his home district of transylvania hills and you can learn more about transylvania hills from our book transylvania traveler which you could get at jackolanternpress.com and just a little fun fact, uh, Frankenstein's monster was burned alive in a windmill, and that windmill was in what is now Transylvania Hills. And the monster just fell in undying love with the place, and he master-planned an entire suburban paradise there, which is now called Transylvania Hills. So check out our book. You'll learn more about Transylvania Hills, where you can eat, uh, some cool things that you can do, and some history of the place. And before we go, I just had a couple Frankenstein jokes for you. So, Tom, what tops off Frankenstein's ice cream sundae? What? Whipped scream. How did Frankenstein get around town? How? He drove a monster truck. Why did Frankenstein go to the dance? Why? To see the boogie, man. <laughs> Why did Frankenstein... Oh, what does Frankenstein do as soon as the school bell rings? What? He bolts. <laughs> Why couldn't Frankenstein go to school with the witch? <laughs> he couldn't spell. What tree monster prowls the forest? What? Frankenpine. And finally, <laughs> what do you call a clever monster? What? Frank Einstein. All right. <laughs>
Do you, so. do you honestly think so? I just want to bring this up uh, outside of the jokes, but I think it's funny, and I don't know where I get this, but the Monster Mash, when they sing it, is it is it sung by Frankenstein? Why do I well, think that? It's supposed to be. It's supposed to sound like Frankenstein. Like Frankenstein, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not off my rocker when I say that, you know, Frankenstein also is the one who sings the yeah. Monster yeah. Mash, which I, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not even a huge fan of that yeah. song. I just think it's it's funny because I've always just said to myself, oh, yeah, hey, it's Frankenstein that sings that. Yeah. Yeah, remember I had a Monster Mash album that's from the Peter Pan Singers that came out in like the... 70s oh, i got maybe it that's why birthday. i think it is just yeah because we used to always listen to the dang thing when we were and younger. yeah he's the main the main guy on the album so no yeah. that's funny all right uh anything else tom before we call it a night no i think that'll do it all right great and uh, how fitting it is to go out with this piece of music you're now hearing from Midnight Syndicate called Building the Monster from their Monsters of Legend album. Other music from this episode include the theme music from the 1931 film Frankenstein by Bernard Kahn, Dark Tower, and Terror Unleashed from Midnight Syndicate, At the House of Frankenstein by Big B. Cornegie. Frankenstein's Den by the Hollywood Flames, Frankenstein of 59 by Dickie Goodman, and some Frankenstein digging and lab sounds from Disney's 1979 album Chilling Thrilling Sounds of the Haunted House. That is going to do it, though, for this episode of the Jack Lantern Press Podcast. For more about the monster universe and the monster revolution that's upon us, go to jackolanternpress.com. There you'll also find our book, Transylvania Traveler, which is a humorous travel guide to and through the monster universe. And you can also call our pumpkin hotline and leave us a message with any questions, suggestions, or your impressions of the show at 323-761-0276. And if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating and a review. It's a big help for the podcast, and we'd greatly appreciate it. As always, thank you for joining us. Happy October. And we'll meet up again soon in the pumpkin patch. 